The KXAN News Podcast is sponsored by Shelf Genie. Breaking news from KXAN News. Good morning. It is 429 right now on this Thursday morning. We begin with breaking news. A crash, a rollover crash involving two vehicles on southbound Mopac. Uh, just south of 290, right near William Cannon, between 290 and William Cannon, has Mopac completely shut down. This has been the case for the last two hours or so, that crash occurring around 2.30 this morning. Uh, one person was transported to the hospital. We do know there were children involved in that crash. So watch out for that. Again, southbound Mopac completely closed between 290 and William Cannon currently as we start this Thursday morning. So that's what we will be monitoring for you. That was a live look at that crash. So we will be monitoring that for you, let you know when that does reopen. All right, we do want to get a check of your forecast with Kristen. So Kristen, can you tell us, are we in for any rain? More humidity, what's in store? Yeah, we kind of got a mix of it all. Through the day today, warm and humid conditions. Then tonight, things change a little bit. So here's a live look outside from our Rocky Dirt Yard camera there in Buda. 60 degrees underneath that cloudy sky. Our temperatures are very comfortable, even with a little bit of a cooler start. That cold front yesterday kind of nudged its way in, pushed out some of the warmer temperatures that we had. So right now, we're in the upper 50s to low 60s across the hill country. I-35 corridor, whereas we're still sitting in the upper 60s out across Fayette County. So the cooler air is pretty much sitting from about Austin, northward and northwestward. This is a, a 10 to 15 degree drop in our temperatures, but we will rebound nicely today. So despite the fact that our numbers are running a little cool, we do anticipate a nice warm up to follow. Visibility looks good in most areas right now. I will watch that through the morning. As far as how you can plan your day, we've got 60s to start and then 70s by lunch forecast high today, 84 degrees. Now, big changes I mentioned overnight to the form of a rain chance. We got a risk of strong to maybe even some severe storms for parts of the area. I'm going to walk you through who's favored for the best storm chance tonight, which weekend forecast looks like to follow. It's coming up in your first morning forecast. Kristen, thank you, Austinites who want to get a petition on a city ballot may need more signatures if they want to make it happen. Think about the camping ban or the police oversight petitions. Today, council is expected to ask the city manager to create a commission. One of its tasks, to look at possible changes to petition requirements. In Austin, petitions need 20,000 signatures or 5% of voters to sign off. That's before they get adopted by city council or land on your ballot. The co-founder of Save Austin Now, the group behind the camping ban, which was ultimately approved by voters, and the minimum police staffing petition, which was voted down, is against these threshold changes. Austin City Council is looking into the possible changes. Figuring out whether or not, you know, the threshold is appropriate and representative of the community. When an issue uh, is important enough and has brought enough support uh, that at least 20,000 registered voters uh, in the city limits uh, say they want it on the ballot, it shows that city leaders aren't listening. Though the commission would be asked to bring recommendations back to council, any changes to city charter would still have to go to voters. Livaldi's district attorney is now fighting pressure to release public records of last year's mass shooting on campus that killed 19 children and two teachers. The DA is now arguing that all of the families who lost children want the records withheld. Our media partner over at the Texas Tribune reporting the DA Christina Mitchell wrote in a court filing last week, disclosing records could jeopardize any criminal charges that she may seek. An attorney representing most of the parents impacted from the shooting says families want to know what happened 
and that the information should be made public. Austin's staffing shortages are costing millions in taxpayer dollars, and now we're learning just how much overtime city employees saw back in 2022. Some ended up tripling their pay. KXA and Sarah Alshay breaks down which departments had the most overtime and the impact it's having on resources. More than 2 million hours. That's the amount of overtime the city of Austin collected in 2022, costing $112 million. It's a 30% increase from the year before. The departments clocking the most hours, Austin Police, Fire, and Emergency Medical Services. Each of them telling KXAN it's because of staffing shortages. APD paid the most overtime of any city department with over 537,000 hours totaling more than $34.7 million. In a statement to KXAN, APD writes, the department monitors overtime to ensure officers are not overworking themselves and are following departmental policy on how much overtime they can work. As for who had the most overtime, that went to an EMS medic with nearly 3,700 extra hours. He has three kids, a grandchild, and he's he was a single um, earner for his family. Our medics need to do it to make ends meet. We're 20% short-staffed. We just can't get enough applicants because people can't afford to live even close to Austin and make $50,000 a year. An EMS spokesperson told KXAN the department is working to fill those vacancies by adding a fourth yearly training academy along with a new hiring process that puts certain applicants directly into a paramedic role. Still, with South by Southwest and spring break around the corner, the Austin EMS Association does not expect overtime hours to decrease anytime soon. We're buying time right now unless we can get more staff. Sarah Alshah, KXAN News. And the Austin Fire Department's overtime hours ended up costing about $22 million last year. The department says if it off it offsets those costs by reducing training and travel and then delaying some equipment and supply purchases. Going in depth, while most states start overtime pay once an employee reaches 40 hours per week, some states have daily overtime laws. That means employees must be paid for working more than eight hours per day. Those states include Alaska, California, Colorado, and Nevada. What the government is doing to crack down on hidden fees on your everyday items. We want to introduce you to one of our remarkable women finalists. We'll tell you about her work linking Dripping Springs to remote villages in Africa. Good morning. We do have a breaking traffic situation right now. Southbound Mopac completely closed down. You're looking live from our videographer's live shot. Christian, we appreciate this. So southbound lanes of Mopac, the main lanes closed after a rollover crash. Looks like that vehicle is still on its side. This happened about 2.30 this morning. We do not know when this will be cleared out. We do know one person was taken to the hospital. Uh, there were children involved in this crash. We don't know if that person taken to the hospital was an adult or one of the children. So watch out for this southbound Mopac. This is right near 290 and William Cannon, very close to Monterey Oaks Boulevard. So heads up about this again. We don't know when it will reopen. If you feel like there have been hidden fees in your everyday purchases, there probably have been. Now, the White House, though, is urging states to crack down on what they call junk fees. And this could be on anything from airline, hotel bookings, late fees for credit cards. Top White House officials and the head of the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau hosted a virtual meeting 
with hundreds of state legislators calling on them to take action yesterday. The Bureau already proposed a rule to cut most credit card late fees. Now the Department of Transportation already proposed a requirement for airlines to disclose all those fees up front. A week before the Salvation Army closes its downtown Austin shelter, the organization told the Austin Public Health Committee that it's still working to relocate 32 clients. The mayor and council members asked the Salvation Army to consider extending the closure date or allowing the city to use the building as a shelter until it's sold. A representative told them he would bring it up at tomorrow's Salvation Army board meeting in Georgia. That's where the organization's headquarters is. The organization says it lost more than $3 million a year for years on that shelter. It opened in 1988. Austin's beloved Zilker Park turning into a campsite at night. The issue for authorities trying to reduce the illegal activity. And working to fill the staffing gap, the new system Austin Police is using to better respond to non-emergency calls. Texas baseball team back in action last night, and it was a big night for the offense and a special night for one freshman. I've got it for you coming up. This KXAN News Podcast is brought to you by Shelf Genie. I'm Rosie Newberry from KXAN Studio 512. Considering replacing your kitchen cabinets? Struggling to find or reach things? Go to ShelfGenie.com slash Austin. Shelf Genie designs custom pull-out shelves for your existing cabinets, adding convenience and value to the most used room in your home. Shelf Genie custom pull-out shelves, everything in reach. Good morning, everyone. A live look outside from one of our cameras. This is over at the Rock and Dirt Yard in Buda on this Thursday, March the 9th. And March is Women's History Month. And KXAN would like to recognize the great contributions that women have made to our nation and our local communities. At the beginning of the year, we asked you to nominate nearly as many women as you could for the Remarkable Women Initiative, and you did, 200 nominees. So many deserving women, and throughout the month, we will feature the stories of our four finalists. KXN's Jennifer Sanders takes us to Dripping Springs to introduce us to Ann Drain, who's building a sustainable connection between Central Texas and remote villages in Africa. About 30 miles outside of Austin, Everything about it is good. In a quaint Dripping Springs neighborhood. But there's nothing about it not helpful. Change for women all the way in Kenya is happening inside of Andrain's home. I do absolutely love the black and white because it's very, very simple. And this is the, the fiber as it is raw. Anne is a co-founder and CEO of the nonprofit Sawa Sawa. It's one of those things you say all the time in Swahili. It's, it's going to be okay or okay, okay, or equal, equal, you know, Sawa Sawa. It started as a hobby in 2014 when she moved yeah. to Texas from Kenya. And I wanted uh, a few things from home. So I told my mom, hey, go to the villages and get me the actually, actual, authentic Kenya. Stuff. She says the women from poor remote villages would walk for miles to sell their items like purses and jewelry to her mom. They have such beautiful things that they make and the skills have been honed for generations upon generations. So it makes no sense that they should be poor. There should be an outlet for their work. Which birthed Sawa Sawa. Her home has become a warehouse for their work. Sawa Sawa helps the women perfect their beading and weaving skills in order to sell their products across the world. 
when we started this, they did not have enough food to feed their own families. Mm -hmm. So it's been, it's so beautiful when you, you look back a few months and you see the new women you're working with are actually thriving and their children are going to school. Her friend and board member Angelica Reyes Johnson knows just how transformative the work is. So if you're able to provide a sustainable income to a female weaver, you're helping the entire village. So let's travel more than 9,000 miles away just to see how it's done. Every process is done by hand. They harvest the agave, they strip it by hitting it to a tree until the fiber comes out of it. They roll it on their thighs until it makes string, then they dye it with onions or soot from the ceiling and you see them turn that soot into the brown that makes the bags and they weave everything by hand. It takes three weeks at least to make one bag. Every color has a meaning and tells a story. The orange is friendship uh, and generosity. They use colors from nature to make such beautiful patterns which is how they pass on messages and history of individual families. You can trace individual family lines with how they weave their bags. Anne spent most of February in Kenya, helping nearly 100 women who are part of her organization. It's not just about the craftsmanship, though. Her nonprofit brings medical camps to the villages, as well as clean water and drought relief. Many of the women live near conservancies, and to get money, they might get involved with poaching, which has resulted in a dwindling elephant and rhino population. Anne works to prevent that by encouraging them to use their beading and their weaving skills. If they have money and they're busy, they will not be out there working with poachers. Instead, they will want to protect the environment. Money from her nonprofit also helps fund reproductive health education around Kenya. We provide them with sanitary pads and underwear and things like that so they can have privacy and dignity and safety during their period. <laughs> And says she gets emotional seeing just how far these women have come and will go. It's me helping them realize solutions to their own problems and so they can own those solutions and they can work hard. Jennifer Sanders, KXAN News. So Anne says her next goal is to get Sawa Sawa products into major retail stores while continuing to access and give the resources to the women that she serves. You can go to our website, kxan.com, learn more about her products and Sawa Sawa's mission. And she's just one of the other finalists that we're gonna be featuring here yeah. on KXAN News about the remarkable women that are right here in our community. That is incredible. Yeah. And I love that we do these stores because as I watch that, I'm like, I need one of those I bags. Need one. Yeah. They're you beautiful. Know? Yeah. And, and the fact that we you would have never realized that the colors mean something, mm -hmm. that the pattern, the weave pattern Story. means something. Yeah. yeah, when it comes to their family lineage, I love that. Mm -hmm. Let me show you what's going on with your forecast here because we've got a little bit of a change coming in tonight. Remember we were tracking this cold front coming in overnight and I said there's a chance of storms. Well, I'm still holding on to that fact. And in fact, I actually think there's going to be more storms than what I was showing you yesterday. So I got a lot to tell you. Let's begin with that, what's happening now because not a whole lot of action yet. Most of the storm chances we're talking about today don't come in until after this evening. So we've got a day to prepare. 60 degrees is currently where we're sitting. Humidity at 80%. So the reason we're seeing this slight change is because that, that 
that cold front kind of nudged itself in a little bit yesterday. Some of us got trapped in those 60s and 70s up north. We still hit the 80s here in Austin, but this morning we're running a little cooler than what we had yesterday. 50s and 60s everywhere you look. We are still expected to reach the 80s again. Forecast high, 84. That's going to be just a touch warmer than what we had yesterday and still above average. We should be in the low 70s this time of year. But let me spend some time on the timing of the storms because most of the day mixes sun and clouds, probably more clouds and sun, but it's going to look and feel really similar to what we had yesterday. In fact, until this evening, by the time we hit 7, 8, 9 p.m., we're going to be watching some of those storms bubble up in the hill country. This is just before midnight, and we're starting to see this line of storms organize itself in our hill country, move into the Austin metro between about 11 p.m. and 2 a.m., and then into our eastern counties around 3, 4, 5 a.m. before you Eventually, most of it kicks out. We just watch for a leftover storm on the back end. But you probably are looking at that thinking, whoo, those storms look mean. And there is a chance that we could see one or two strong to severe storms. It's a marginal risk for our northern counties. So from Llano, Burnett, Williamson County, Milam County, northward, it's a one out of five risk of seeing a strong to severe storm overnight depending on where the storms and showers sit up, is going to dictate who gets the beneficial rainfall. Some of our high resolution models are indicating those downpours could drop half an inch to about an inch and a half of rain. So we look forward to the rain. We will watch that severe risk. If we do see a severe storm develop, I think hail will be the primary concern and some gusty winds to match. And a lot of this is going to be happening overnight when you're asleep, but I will be here tracking that for you. 30% chance of rain tomorrow morning. We clear things out for your weekend. Temperatures get back to the upper 70s to mid 80s and then a little cooler to start next week in the 60s and 70s. Krista, thank you. The six-year-old in Virginia who police say shot his teacher in January likely is not going to face any criminal charges. Prosecutors say they do not plan on charging the child. They have yet to decide whether any adults, though, could be liable. The first grade teacher did survive and is considering suing the school district's superintendent and other school leaders. Her attorneys claim that the young boy had behavioral issues and a pattern of troubling interaction with staff and students. Now, if you plan to head to Zilker Park this morning, you're likely going to see RVs, you're going to see school buses, you're going to see vans lining the road, and many camp there overnight. Austin Parks tells us that the problem really picked up two years ago, and they're still working with Austin police to deal with it. Nabil Ramadna explains why it's an issue and the work to fix it. The views of downtown Austin from Zilker Park. I really think the architecture of the city is beautiful. Christopher Mugallion. It, it's got a queen size bed inside. Uh, it's got a, a restroom, a shower, a sink. And his dog. Yeah, he's my bud. Is part of a growing number of people who live nomadic lifestyles, moving from city to city and living out of a car or camper. There's a couple of people around who are doing it. Parked nearby, a bus and a truck with a camper attached. And a person who didn't want us to show her face living out of their car. It's kind of like not a publicized thing, but a known thing that if you are coming to Austin and you are a traveler, that this is a good area. The city tells us it's illegal to park an RV or to camp overnight on any parkland other than City Park. And this is if you have a permit. Two years ago, someone made a post on a website encouraging people to use the lot near Zilker. According to the city, they've made efforts to stop recent camping. Signs show parking isn't allowed overnight, but there aren't no camping signs. If there was a sign, you know, I read a sign. If it says don't camp here overnight, then 
and I'll try not to camp here overnight. But there's a lot of parking lots, you know, that say that. Campers we spoke to said they don't feel like they're causing an issue. Um, I could understand if there was, you know, a lot of um, trash or, you know, people drinking. They hope that more areas will open to people who are just living on the road. It's going to be something I'm proud of. Nabil Ramadna, KXAN News. Austin's Park Department tells us that park rangers and APD officers talked to people caught parking in the lot overnight. Now that posting that directed people to Zilker Park is off that website. All right, going in depth here in 2021, the city says there were as many as 20 using the lot next to Zilker for camping. Park rangers did speak with those individuals, letting them know camping in the parking lot is illegal. The city says tow truck companies do not tow vehicles with the people inside, and they continue to share that message with the new campers that they come across. This is KXAN Sports, brought to you by Thomas J. Henry. Good morning to you. First day of the Big 12 tournament. Some big news after Texas Tech's loss to West Virginia. Mark Adams resigned. He had been suspended. The head coach who replaced Chris Beard. So Texas Tech looking for a new head coach. Meantime, the Longhorns will play Oklahoma State tonight. OSU beat Oklahoma, so Texas will play them at 6 o'clock. Longhorns swept the season regular season series, winning both games by double figures. Texas baseball team back in action, two midweek games, and Ace Whitehead got the start for the Longhorns, just his third appearance as a pitcher. The only other one this year was out at Fullerton in relief, but he went two and a third shutout innings, and, well, he and the rest of the pitchers got plenty of support. Garrett Gilmet, the base hit. Mercer coming here from Macon, Georgia. They'll play at Baylor this weekend. That's why they're playing a midweek game in Austin. And how about Ryland Galvan? Did not have a hit as a Longhorn in the freshman. Well, his first hit is a big one. It's a two-run homer, and that means he gets his first curtain call as a Longhorn. He was not done, though. Three hits in the game. This one to center field, and Trayson Hughes coming to the plate with it. But Casey Mosier, the second-base umpire, with a little ricochet off the hip. He's in play. That's how the night went for Mercer. Longhorns win 11-3, the final score. So Texas, a busy stretch in this 14-game homestand. They're back in action tomorrow as they will take on the University of New Orleans. It's the first of three games against the Privateers. Thanks for joining KXAN News today. You can also listen to KXAN News Nightly every weekday after 5.30 p.m. for in-depth coverage on what matters most to you.